Merry Christmas to you all. I hope Santa brought you lots of great stuff. Speaking of which, what does the big man have in his bag for the Tar Heels as we move into 2024? You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, December 25th, 2023. Merry Christmas to you all. I hope you're having a great day. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. Yes, even on Christmas Day. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you, in particular you everydayers, for joining us to get your Tar Heels every day. Uh, Because it's Christmas Day, some fun news. No ads today. We're just rolling straight through everything. Going to be a lot of fun. If you want to be a bigger part of the Locked on Tar Heels community, come join our Discord where we're talking Carolina stuff all the time. Uh, Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk some serious Tar Heels stuff, but we're also going to have a little bit of fun. I am a movie lover, a movie buff. And so uh, we're going to talk about my five most overrated Christmas movies and my five actual favorite Christmas movies. And obviously, I need to hear yours as well on all of that. To get in the mood today, I'm wearing some Christmas jammies. I got on uh, my son's Mickey Mouse Santa Claus hat. So we're rolling with it. It's going to be awesome. So let's get right into it, starting with this before we get to the movies to have some fun with that. If we're all getting presents from Santa Claus right now, what is it that the Tar Heels need from Santa for 2024? What does the big man have in his bag for Coach Hubert Davis's team? Well, I'm going to give you two and then several honorable mentions. Also, I'd love to hear your answers to this because I'm sure there's some gifts that you would love for the Tar Heels to get as well. So my first gift that the Tar Heels need from Santa this year is another consistent and a high-volume shooter to pair with R.J. Davis. Let me say a couple positive things first about this. First off, the offense in total is awesome. It's averaging 84.5 points a game, 24th in the nation. So when I'm saying this, I want the Tar Heel offense to just go from good to great, and that's some language that Coach has been using already as well. As for RJ himself, he is now up to a career-high 38.1% from three on 84 attempts. That's incredible. I tweeted the other day that if he carries his current um, pace, he's averaging 2.9 threes a game. He would um, get up to 90 made threes by the end of the regular season and be just the eighth Tar Heel to have 93s in the season. So it was great, and his percentage is at a career high. So there's some great things already happening, but we're wanting to tweak this thing. So again, I'm looking for somebody to pair with RJ that can be both consistent and high volume from three. And on the consistent side, there are several guys that are already footing that bill. Harrison Ingram, for example. One of my preseason predictions was that he would... Um, when he came from Stanford, where he had to be the guy, he would step in and do a lot better from three. He didn't shoot great from three at Stanford, but that's exactly what's happening. Now that he's not the main focus on scouting our points, reports he's doing great. 43.5% from three, shooting in total 20 of 46. Seth Trimble, he's doing his job to keep people honest. He is five of 10 from three. 
And then Armando Baycott and Jalen Washington are a combined five of eight. So those four guys are doing it on the consistency. They are hitting a percentage of threes at a level I would love for them. But I remember I said, I'm asking for somebody that is both consistent and high volume. None of those guys are high volume. They're doing what they need to do. So in terms of consistency, um, it, the, the culprits we're looking at are Cormac Ryan, Elliot Cadeau, Jalen Withers, and Paxson Wojcik. Now with, with Cormac, he is high volume right now. So he's got that side of it. But all four of those guys I just mentioned are currently shooting below 30% from three. Cormac, 28.8. Elliot, 25%. Jalen Withers, 12.5. And Paxson Wojcik, right at 20%. So um, here's the good news, though. I think there is a way forward for all four of these guys. With Cormac, his freshman year, he shot 31.6% at Sanford. All right, fine, great. You know, it's his freshman year. But... In his three years playing at Notre Dame, he averaged 36.4%, and he was never below 34.4%. So with Cormac Ryan, I believe that water will find its level. It just hasn't yet. With the other three, the, the issue to me there is small sample size. Elliot has only taken 12 threes. Uh, Paxson Wojcik, only 10, and Jalen Withers, just eight. And so... That there's some explanation with all of these and reason to believe that these numbers will go up. And, and with some of the other guys, you know, you might, you might think, for example, that Harris Ingram might come down some or uh, Seth will come down some, but all in all, I think all of this levels out a little bit, but end of the day, what I'm one of the presents I'm looking for from Santa for the Tar Heels is another consistent high volume shooter to go with RJ. Second thing. The second present from Santa to the Tar Heels in 2024 is efficiency and consistency from Armando Baycott. Now, there has been un unfair and undue slander on Armando early. I know there has been speculation about, like, is he injured? And people, everyone's dissecting, like, is he hobbling up the call? All this stuff. There's been nothing official, so we can't really say for sure anything with that. And I think. Because the it's it's kind of like the Tar Heels in total last year. The expectations were so high. So as the Tar Heels fell below that, the world was falling. I think that's probably where we're at with Armando. Because the expectations are so extremely lofty for what he would do this year, anything less than that has been like, oh, no, it, it's falling apart. Meanwhile, RJ is going off, right? And so that's where we're at with Armando. But let me paint the picture a little differently for you here. Um, <clears throat> Armando's averaging 15.1 points a game. That is down from the last two years. He was 16.3 his junior year and 15.9 last year. So it's down, but not like dramatically so. Rebounds. He's at 11 per game this year. He was 13.1 his junior, that ridiculous year that he had, but he's up from last year's 10.4. Uh, there's a couple other statistical areas that are slightly down, assists and steals, but not by much. However, you need to know, Armando's blocks are up. 1.9 per game is the highest he's had. His turnovers are down to 1.6 a game. Uh, he was over two per game each of the last two years. His fouls are down, and as you know, his free throw percentage is up 77.6%. He's never been above like 66, 67 in his career. So there are a lot of areas in which Armando is performing 
better this year. Hear me say that. But I think the biggest issue that we notice is Armando's two-point percentage is down. We don't often look at that. We often, like, just by the way box scores are looked at, we'll talk about, like, three-point percentage and free-throw percentage and field goal percentage in total. But for some reason, we don't talk about two-point percentage in total. In fact, I wish box scores would show total field goal percentage, two-point, three-point, and free-throw. It doesn't. But Armando, his two-point field goal percentage is quite a bit down this year, and I think that is the main culprit with Armando. It's at 51.4%. And outside of his freshman year, the other three years, sophomore, junior, senior, it had never been below 56. So Armando's like 5% uh, five percentage points down from his previous low of the past three years. For Armando, we we would like that the present from Santa is for that number in particular to go up. And in terms of consistency with points, like let's get beyond the average to totals. Armando started off on fire, if you'll remember, 20 points or more in each of Carolina's first three games. But in the eight games since, he's only scored 20 or more once, and he's had three single-digit scoring outputs, albeit they were eight, nine, and nine points. So that's okay. Rebounds. He had two 18 or more rebounding efforts in the first five games. But since then, he hasn't had any. Um, and in total, in the 11 games, five of the 11 games, Armando's had single-digit rebounding, including one where he had just four and another where he had just six. And as the Tar Heels are in this stretch where they are getting out-rebounded by just about everyone they play, got to be more from Armando. Now, it's, it's everybody. That's a gang, uh, gang rebounding issue. But Armando has to lead the way. RJ Davis was the leading rebounder against Oklahoma, you might remember, which is awesome. We'll take that in, in terms of him getting to seven, but Armando's got to be above it. So all in all, it's not that Armando has fallen way off a cliff. I think that's the narrative right now, and we got to get rid of that. But, and, and again, in fact, he's improved in multiple statistical areas. You, you look at the rebounding. Homie's fifth in the nation in rebounding right now. And I don't just mean amongst power six conference teams. He's second amongst power six schools. Fifth in the nation overall. That's incredible. So again, I don't know why there's this narrative that Armando's like way off of things. But given his fifth year status, given his offseason determination, I would like to see him take a step forward. And in particular for me from Santa, in two-point field goal percentage. Let's get that up, and then I think the uh, the consternation will go away. So we'll see how that um, changes and moves forward as we move into ACC play. Now, uh, a couple of honorable mention presents we'd like from Santa. I'm just going to name these, and we'll keep going. And again, I'd love to hear your presence you'd like from Santa for the Tar Heels. Uh, I'd like to see Jalen Withers continue to figure out his role and just settle in. Do what he does and don't do what he doesn't do. You know what I mean? Like figure out what do I need to do for this team and do that really well and stay away from the other stuff. Uh, second, it, this kind of goes into the, the consistent and efficient sh and high volume shooter to pair with RJ. But I'd like to see Elliot become uh, Elliot Cadeau become more of a shooting threat uh, moving forward. And I know it's kind of like it, it's going to be what it's going to be this freshman year. But um if teams aren't respecting that, they're going to sag off him more, which makes it harder for him to drive and makes it harder to get the ball to Armando inside. I'd like a uh, third honorable mention. I'd like more minutes from Zayden High. 
I believe like, you know, I, I just talked about Jalen Withers needing to figure out what it is that he needs to do. I think Zayden's got that figured out. And I think he does it and he brings similar to Jalen Withers high energy. He's around the ball. He's getting rebounds. And and whether I, I just think there are mo- more moments in games where that could be a valuable asset for the Tar Heels. So that's a gift I'd like to see. Uh, my fourth honorable mention, the uh, North Pole magic ability to stop fouling three-point shooters. It's just happened way too much and there's no reason for it. And then finally is the ability to t- put teams away. Carolina has had multiple games where they've got this really strong lead. And that, like I'm thinking Tennessee. I'm thinking Oklahoma, and then the team has battled back down the stretch, and then you have some nervous moments. Let's get rid of that, can we? And and granted, I know, with Tennessee, they are a phenomenal basketball team, so they just kind of figured it out finally and started responding. With Oklahoma, same thing. They, They finally started making shots down the stretch of the second half. But all in all, I'd like to see Carolina not only get these big leads, these double digit leads, but then hang on to them. And they've done that in other instances. Just in totality, I want to see them step on it and go and never let up. So again, let me hear your presence. Let me know on Discord or in the YouTube comments for those of you who are watching. All right, coming up next, we're going to get to uh, some movies, some Christmas movie things. I want to tell you what I think are the five most overrated Christmas movies, and then we'll wrap up today's show with me giving you my five favorite Christmas movies. First, I want to remind you that Locked On has launched the first ever national 24-7 streaming sports channel on YouTube. And so it's got all sorts of Locked On shows, including Locked On College Basketball, the other show that I do, and uh, that's on there every day. So come check that out if you need a little bit of a sports fix on YouTube. All right, let's get right into this uh, five most overrated Christmas movies list. With these movies, both, both in the overrated and with my five favorites, these are not Christmas adjacent movies, like a Die Hard, for example. These are all like, these are Christmas movies, and that's where we're going with it. Uh, there's several that I've I've left off, uh, just not talked about on either list, just because they either weren't too overrated or they weren't in the favorites. But I do have some honorable mentions um, for you, specifically in the uh, ones that are my favorites, because I love Christmas movies. I just love them so much. So, I know you're going to disagree with me on a ton of this, and so I need to hear it. Let me know when it's all said and done. Okay, here we go. Definitive list of the five most overrated Christmas movies. I'm going to go from five all the way up to one for me, the most overrated. Number five, I hate to do this out of the gate because I know it's a classic. I know a lot of people, it's a favorite, but it's it's a wonderful life. Yep, I know. Here's the deal. It's too freaking long. I just get super bored watching it. I just get fed up with Jimmy, oh, Jimmy Stewart. I want to say Jimmy Stewart with George Bailey's uncle and losing the money and Mr. Potter and all the, all this stuff, dude. And, and there's this whole back and forth of like, is George Bailey a great man? Cause he stayed around and helped, or is he a pushover? Cause he never went and pursued his dreams. I, I mean, it's, I, I'm, I'm somebody that loves to help and be around, but at some point, my man, George, you got it. You just got to go try stuff, you know, live your life, but whatever. Anyway, it's a wonderful life. Number five on my most overrated list. Number four. And this one is one that, uh, so my wife and I have all these moments where we watch, um, certain Christmas movies each year, just cause we want to make sure to get them all in. And this is one that we actually watched together. 
um, that that I kind of like, but I also think it's really overrated, and that's The Holiday. And so this, if you haven't seen it, it's a movie with um, Cameron Diaz and Jack Black and um, Kate Winslet. And really, Cameron Diaz and, and Kate Winslet are the two main characters. Kate obviously lives in England, her home country. Cameron lives in L.A. They swap houses. It's like a whole online thing. I don't know. And um, while Kate is in America, she and she and Jack Black basically start dating. And it's like, what? No, there is no world in which Kate Winslet sees Jack Black. My man is hilarious and funny and I love him. But come on, Kate Winslet is not dating Jack Black. Now, on the other side, Cameron Diaz winds up with Kate Winslet's brother, who's Jude Law. And he's like at tip top of his uh, male handsomeness there. And we'll, we'll give him that. But uh, it's, come on. No, the holiday, uh, in all of God's green goodness, Kate Winslet would never wind up with Jack Black. No chemistry there. All right. Overrated number three. Any Home Alone movie. After number two, I had you there. You thought I was going to go in on Home Alone. I am not. I'm going in on anything after Home Alone 2 because you cannot make a Home Alone and not have Macaulay Culkin in it. That is heresy, I tell you. Absolute heresy. No Macaulay Culkin, enough said. We move on. Number two, most overrated movie, the Jim Carrey version of The Grinch. This thing is bad. Um, there are some movies from my childhood in which I enjoyed Jim Carrey, whether it's Ace Ventura or whatever, but the aesthetic, the look of this movie is weird. It's off-putting. Um, and I say that as someone who came of age in the uh, like the Val Kilmer Batman age, which looks very similar to this, by the way. And it's funny because in that era is when we got Jim Carrey as a Batman villain. Um, but this movie, to me, is just, it? It's the cinematography is odd. Um, we do get a couple good songs out of it. I'll give it that, but it, it it pales in comparison, for example, to the uh, the newer full length movie Grinch, the the Benedict Cumberbatch one. That one's awesome, and you need to get behind that. All right, um, and then number one on my most overrated list of Christmas movies is the Polar Express. And I know that's heresy for some people as well. Listen, I love the book. I think it's great. Uh, but this thing, the animation, I know is of its time, but it is odd. It's creepy. I, I don't know what they're doing with that. There's that one little boy. I think he's got glasses. The vo the Whoever they had do the voice of that kid. No, completely out on that. And I love Tom Hanks. I, I am on record as saying I will watch anything that Tom Hanks ever does or is in. But why are we having Tom Hanks do every voice on this thing of all the of all the old people? There's it's it's disjointed. It's this rollicking extravagant. It doesn't just like the book is so sweet and gentle and tender. And then we get this thing. And I, I don't know. Polar Express, number one, most overrated Christmas movie. And uh, if I can just give a little uh, cherry on top to these overrateds. Holiday Hallmark, Hall Hallmark Holiday Christmas movies. I mean, what are we doing there? It's just the cheesiest stuff I've ever seen in my entire life. And I, I can say that 
as somebody, you know, I don't even know that I've seen a full movie of it, but I've seen enough to know. No, come on. They're, they're predictable. You know exactly what's going to happen. I need at least some intrigue, some surprise. It's, it's no, 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 no. Okay, let's get off over it. Let's get to happier times. My five, uh, my list of the five best Christmas movies of all time. And a couple notes. Again, these are not Christmas adjacent. You can't find Die Hard on this list. Um, Christmas in real Christmas movies only. And then note number two, if I haven't seen it, it can't be on this list. And so the same is true with the overrateds, by the way, outside of what I was saying about Hallmark movies, I've seen all the rest of those movies. Let me give a couple honorable mentions and then we'll go five to one on this thing as well. Uh, the first two honorable mentions are, they would be on this list were it not for the fact that they're not actually movies. But if you were to go look at a list of like the best Christmas movies, you would find these on there, but they're not movies. So by definition, they can't be on my list. And that's Charlie Brown Christmas. I love it. I love it so much. And then How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the, the original cartoon of it, right? Like that's just so good. It's classic. But again, it's um, only like 30 minutes long, so it can't be on this list. And then another one that's not a full movie, but it's something that I, I grew up watching with my family. And so it's just this like nostalgic near and dear to my heart. It's called the snowman. Um, there, there's no talking in it. It's just like a movie score. It's just about this boy that, that makes a snowman. The snowman comes to life and they go off on the, this really neat adventure. I know it sounds cheesy, but, but it's just like this nostalgic thing for me. Um, and then four, uh, uh, excuse me, three actual movies that I would have on my honorable mention before we get into the top five. A Christmas Story. Um, it's one, it maybe goes on a little long for me, but there's these certain moments in it that I really love. Like when uh, Ralphie winds up just pummeling that one kid, that bully. Uh, I love that. Um, just uh, <laughs> the the whole leg lamp of it all when he... Uh, is helping his dad change the tire. And it's like, Oh, fudge. That whole moment is awesome. I love that. Uh, the, the tongue stuck to the pole. Like all of these moments are, are hilarious when they, uh, the food is all ruined. So they have to go to that restaurant. Like there's, there's some great moments, but I think chiefly it's because it's, it's one that, uh, I feel like I remember watching with my dad or that my dad really loved. Um, and so it, it's fun for us to watch together. Um, elf, I know some people are like Will Ferrell so over the top with this thing and it's too much, but I just, I think it's fun and engaging and, in, in a, like just a fun take. Um, and, and having this guy that thinks he's an elf in New York city. I also love New York city at Christmas. So there's that. Um, here's one you'll probably disagree with the most, but the last on my honorable mention list is Christmas with the cranks. I think this is maybe because I grew up in, uh, the uh, home improvement era. So I loved Tim Allen. And I just think this, the whole conceit of this is funny of their daughter going off. And so they're like, Hey, let's go take a vacation and everything that ensues. I think Dan Aykroyd's hilarious. So give me some Christmas with the cranks. All right, let's get to my actual list of my five favorite Christmas movies. Number five, countdown from five to one love. Actually, I love this movie. I love all the storylines and how it all intertwines together. Um, there's also that, so my wife's birthday is in December. And so several years ago for her birthday, cause she loves love actually even more than me. Um, we 
I had planned for us to do that. And I cooked us some like Japanese style food, like a bento box kind of situation or hibachi situation, I guess more appropriately. And then we ate that and watched love actually. So now that is a tradition that we do every year. We eat uh, like we get bento boxes or hibachi food, and then we sit down and watch love actually together. So this year we had some sushi and, and did that. Um, but I, I, I think the storylines are hilarious. I love how it ties together. And there, there are some of the storylines where I'm like, Hey, but you know, whatever. So that's number five. Number four on my list is Christmas vacation. Listen, I know Chevy Chase is an absolute tool and everyone who's ever worked with him is like, dude, I know this guy, but I think it's hilarious. I know some people can't do the whole, like everything that could go wrong, does go wrong type of movie. I hear that one of my best friends like hates movies like that, including this one, but I think it's just so fun. Um, and I love the, the cringiness of all these family dynamics. I love cousin Eddie and all like all his quotable lines. It's just, I love it. I'm all in. And this is another family staple. So, um, like we watch it every year at my in-laws house when we're with them at Christmas time. Number three on my list of the five best Christmas movies. And again, this is just for me. Um, I, I am sure you are heartily disagreeing with some of my choices already. And that's great. I want to hear it. Bring it on. Uh, number three, Four Christmases. <laughs> I think this movie is hilarious. It's Vince Vaughn. It's Reese Witherspoon. And they um, typically every Christmas go off on a vacation so they don't have to be around their families. Their, their parents are both divorced and have their own thing going on. And so um, this year when they get ready to head out on their trip, there's fog in San Francisco, so all the flights are grounded. So they have to go visit all four families for Christmases. And so hijinks ensue everywhere. There's all this ridiculous stuff that goes on. And it's just, it's just funny to me. And I love it. But there, you know, there's heartwarming moments at the end. I think Vince Vaughn is hilarious. And I, I love the interaction between him and Reese Witherspoon. Number two on my list. This is the most um drama heavy of my list is called the family stone. This is one that I think a lot of people have probably never seen the family stone. Um, but it's about this family all coming together at Christmas time. Um, there's a guy bringing home his new girlfriend for the first, first time to meet everyone. There's a lot of actors and actresses, you know, um, but there's some real like family moments in this that are hard to deal with. There's, there's this scene around the dinner table that is just gut-wrenchingly awkward. But um, <clears throat> it's just, it's so good. It's well done. Um, I love how real it is, like a family just working through all their stuff. And so there's that. All right, number one on my list. I have to say this because earlier I said any Home Alone after number three, after number two is on the overrated list. But number one, on my list is Home Alone, the original. I've always said this is the first ever movie I cried at. Um, I watched this in the theater, I think kindergarten or first grade. And when Kevin's mom finally comes home at the end of the movie and, and they embrace, it just made me tear. I don't know what it was about this little elementary school kid, but the the whole like how much fun is Home Alone for for a kid to watch that leads up to like all this house of horrors at the end, like all these traps and stuff. Um, and I know there's like 
people are going to be like, yeah, this family leaving his kid alone. We can't, whatever. I, I, I hear you, but it's just so fun. I love that he figures life out and like dealing with Marv and Harry and all of that. It's so great. And really, let me tag Home Alone 2 onto it as well. Because again, I love New York at Christmas time. I think it's great. And I, I love how they kept the same kind of concept, but moved it to New York. And he was still able to find, like, I just, I'm all in on Home Alone. That is my number one favorite movie. So my five favorite, Love Actually, Christmas Vacation, Four Christmases, The Family Stone, and Home Alone. My five most overrated, It's a Wonderful Life, The Holiday, Any Home Alone After Number Two, the Jim Carrey Grinch and Polar Express. Let me hearing it on. Give me all of yours where I was right, where I was wrong. All right, folks, again, Merry Christmas to everyone. I hope that you have a great day hanging out with your family and doing all the things you do. Come join our Discord. We'd love to have you there. The link is in the show notes. You can also email the show lockedontarheels at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe. Also, rate and review the show. Smash the like button for those of you watching on YouTube. And we'll talk again tomorrow. In the meantime, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Can't wait to talk to you on Tuesday on Boxing Day. But until then, peace. Peace.